We are here to rejoice today the fact that Jesus Christ rose in victory on our behalf. And as I was, as I was preparing for our message today, um, last week, uh, God really pressed upon my heart the concept of a threshold and a threshold being crossed. And as I began to meditate on it, it really stuck to me that this is what God wanted me to t- share with y'all this Easter. Now, before we get into what a thresh- uh, the, the, the title of this message, I need to explain what a threshold is for most of you that don't know. Now, I'm be honest with you. I'll tell you a story. So when I was really young, I was a little energetic, a lot energetic. And you know, like when you cross into a room and you see uh, those like uh, metal plates that act as a threshold that signify you going from one place to another. Maybe there's carpet lining underneath there. Maybe there's some sort of uh, uh, joist underneath or whatever, right? I'm not a carpenter. I'm just guessing. But that's what, they, that's what it's there for, right? So when, when I was young, that thing looked like a sword. So I used to take them up from the floor. Now you understand why I had too much energy. And I just used to sit there like, ha, 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 go, go, Power Rangers. Like, legitimately, I used to do that when I was young. And, like, I didn't realize what the concept was, but I always knew what a threshold was. And as I did, I knew what a threshold, kind of the purpose that it served. I didn't know the name. And then as I researched and everything made sense, like, that's a threshold. And it signifies a boundary, a border, right? Now, other definitions of a threshold kind of say it takes you from one place to another, or if you're starting something new, you're crossing into a, you're crossing over a threshold. So it represents a journey. And I wish I had one of those, it's right here, kind of like that, that I could just signify, right? You cross over a threshold. You go from one place to another. It requires movement from one plane to another plane. You're stepping over a boundary. I really, really gravitated towards this because I feel like a lot of us are kind of in this weird in-between place of stepping over a threshold, right? Crossing over a boundary. Um, This Easter, I'm going to be honest with you, I'm struggling a little bit, right? In January, I was like, in February, I was like, oh. COVID is over. We lit. Like, I'm, I'm, I was ready for COVID to be done. And the numbers just kept dropping and dropping. And I was like, you know, by the end of, by March, you know, we, we going to be good. I could go outside. I could see people that I love. And then around my birthday, I'm like, uh-oh. Like, those numbers just started going up and up. And, and it's like, it felt as if we were about to cross over the threshold and get to some place new, and yet we're in this state of limbo. We're kind of there, not really there, trying to figure out what we're doing. And a lot of us are in this place, maybe not just functionally because of COVID, but as a result of what has happened, right? Maybe emotionally you feel like you are stuck and you can't cross over a threshold because of things or doubt or worry or anxiety. Maybe it's a relationship in your life where you feel stuck in a place where you don't want to be and you want to take that next step, maybe of freedom or of security, but you feel kind of trapped 
behind a boundary boxed in. And you're waiting to cross over the other side. Maybe you're worried about health, loved ones. Maybe preoccupied with getting sick or that you could die from this virus or many other things that are going on. And it feels consuming because you take one step forward and two steps back. And you take another step forward and you take two steps back. So it's really, really interesting because in the midst of this despair and this hopelessness, all of us are looking for promise, for relief, for victory. And that brings us to the title of today's message, Threshold, Crossing Into Victory. Now you read that whole, we went over that whole passage, right? So you understand kind of the pretext of where we're going today. And as I prepared today's message, it really stuck with me that in many ways, Jesus is the ultimate example of someone who crossed over many thresholds. He endured being in one place in order to get to another place. He would cross that dividing line from one plane to another plane throughout his life and especially from the moment of his death to his resurrection. Jesus puts on a master class of what it means to cross over thresholds and how to do it victoriously. The first threshold that I want to point out, and it's fairly obvious, but we don't talk about it enough, Jesus crossed over from heaven to earth. He left perfection to come down to imperfection. He left the ideal to come down to the worst possible situation. You see, Jesus' mere presence on earth was a reflection of a threshold that was broken. Remember, Jesus came, when we talked about this already last week, he came for one reason and one reason only, to fulfill the will of his Father, right? Jesus was a part of the Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So really, God, part of God, came down to earth to do God's business. We used to sing that old school song, Lord, I lift your name on high. Lord, I love to sing you. Right? You came from? To? Don't, don't stop. Don't keep going. Right? <laughs> that's, that's the song. You came from heaven to earth to show the way. Jesus came in the form of flesh. Listen. We don't think about this to be a relational example of what love and righteousness is supposed to be. You see, before he even completed his final act on earth, right, his ultimate mission was, I got to save humanity. But in the midst of that, he walked with humanity, right? Jesus was in relationship with other people. This was a man who knew no sin. The Bible tells us that Jesus knew no sin, but he became sin. He became flesh so that we may be made righteous. 
it's one of those things that basically when I understand that it's so Jesus came down as flesh so that we can walk with him and learn what it means to be people of God, right? Nobody likes being told, you do this, right? If you have a boss, use your boss as the example. If you got a boss that like, you ever have that boss that's like, not that qualified? Like, and they kind of tell you, you are supposed to do this. And you think it in the back of your hand, well, can you do that? Right? You, I, you get paid double that, but can you do it? Right? We've all been in that kind of situation where we feel as if, right, you don't have the credibility. But how is it when your boss gets down and dirty with you, right? When they commiserate with you, when they say, all right, it's going to be hard, y'all. Quite frankly, I don't really want to do this, but we're going to do this together. And we're going to walk through this together. I, I mean, some bosses, I had a good boss, he would order us lunch. And we would all sit around the conference table and do the worst activity around the conference table, right? And we hated it, but he would bring lunch in, and there was a relational aspect because he was saying, I'm going to do this with you. I'm going to enter into this with you. I'm going to walk in this mess with you. And from start to finish, from Jesus' life all the way to the earth, from on the earth, all the way to the cross, he demonstrated that he was willing to enter into the mess. You see, Jesus enters into humanity's mess. He enters into our situation. And the whole example of who, like, the circumstances about Jesus from, earth, from life till death and resurrection until he goes to heaven, y'all, it's really messy. It's not clean. Like, his conception is messy. His birth he was born outside in a barn, is messy. He had to go on the run because they weren't, is messy. He had to choose his disciples, that was messy. He had to perform many miracles. Some of those miracles ended up in beef with, with, uh, with the high leaders of the day, that was messy. His arrest, Jesus was ratted out by one of his best friends, I mean, by one of his disciples. One of the closest people to Jesus ratted him out and handed him over to die. The epitome of messy. The same people that worship Jesus on, uh, uh, on Palm Friday crucified him on Good uh, Palm, Palm Friday. Palm Sunday crucified him on Good Friday. Messy. He knew it was going to happen. Jesus was aware of everything. And yet, he entered into the mess of humanity anyways, which I want to remind you, this heaven to earth thing is not a coincidence. Jesus wants to enter into your mess too. The conflict in your life, the confusion, the trying to figure things out, the, the way that things are kind of put together. You may think that Jesus needs perfection, but no, 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 no. He, he, he has a mission to make all things right, and he's willing to step into your mess. You see, here's the issue. Too often we're afraid to invite Jesus in because we're afraid that what we are involved with, who we are involved with, what's going on in our lives is too much 
for him to handle. Let me tell you something. Jesus is not deterred by what's going on in your life. He is not swayed by the doubt that you may hold. He is not moved by the mess of your emotions like fear or anger or depression that may have a grip on you. He is not afraid of sickness that has taken over this entire world. Jesus has entered into the mess. And in spite of what you may think or what you believe, Jesus has crossed from heaven to earth into the mess of humanity. But to keep it going... Jesus crosses, he helps us cross another boundary. He crosses a boundary for us, and we cross another one with him. Jesus' death allows for us to cross over from the outer courts to before the throne. Lana, what do you mean by that, from the outer courts and and, into the order, or the, 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 uh, before the throne? Well, let's go back real quickly to Matthew chapter 27, verse 51. Ready? At that moment, the temple curtain was torn from top to bottom. Okay, okay. So for some of y'all, that might have gone over your head. Why why do we care about a a, a temple curtain? Well, if you understand, right, we're under Jewish law. Here's the temple, right? And, And only certain people, right, were allowed to cross from one side of that curtain or one side of that, right, to the other side, the holiest of holies. The holiest of holies is where they believed that God's presence was. And only people who had been elected could cross over without fear of consequence, right? Without something happening to them. So we have this boundary now that's in the temple. And the moment that Jesus dies, what do we hear? It's ripped in two, torn from end to end. What does that mean for us? You see, this is symbolic because for us, Jesus' death means that with that torn temple, I'm torn curtain, we now have direct access, boom, to God. We don't need someone to go on our behalf, that high priest who can go before the holiest of holies. No, no, no. We can go before Jesus ourselves and bring the fullness of who we are before the throne. You see, we're no longer stuck on the outer courts waiting for someone to do things for us. We can go directly to God and tell him what's going on. Jesus came and through his death, he wiped the slate completely clean, right? In Latin, there's a term called Tabula rasa, right? Clean slate. Whoop, boom, gone. Now, 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 here's an example. So my, my, my three-and-a-half-year-old, Ava, she's here with us today, right? Uh, there are some days where she just has some really rough days, like really, really rough. And she knows it, right? Because when you're putting her to bed, she looks at you with those puppy dog guys, like, just like that. And she's like... Dada, Dada, I didn't have a good day, Dada. And I'm like, no, today was not a good day. And she says this every single time. But I get a fresh start tomorrow. I get a fresh start when I wake up. Will I get a fresh start, Dada? And what do I say? Do do I say no? Absolutely not. Right? Of course you get a fresh start. Of course tomorrow when you wake up or after your nap when you wake up, the slate is wiped clean. 
I'm not going to hold anything against you, baby girl. When you get up, it's brand new. You see, Jesus is similar. Jesus' death is similar to that experience, right? He died so that we can have a clean slate. So now we can go before God Almighty and bring our full selves and know, I ain't going to hold nothing against you. You see, Jesus covered that. And now you can be in direct relationship with me. We have direct access to God. We can go right before him and not hold anything back. And in a time where it feels as if we have to continue to navigate through what joy is and what happiness is and what our calm is, it's really important to know that the victory that we've been given through Jesus' death is that we can go before God and be who we are. There's no contracts. There's no stipulations. There's no strings attached. There's no contingencies. It's not based off of what we do. It's based off of what he did and who we are in him. So this year, as you struggle, as you wrestle, as you deal with whatever is in front of you, know that you have direct access and you can bring it right be for God. There's that old school song that says, Jesus knows all about our troubles. He will fight till the day is done. Right? We can bring our full selves to Jesus. I mean, to, to, to God the Father because of what Jesus did. And here's the big one that I want us to walk away with, that next threshold, and I'm going to show it as an example Jesus crossed over from death to life. Jesus crossed over from death to life. Jesus is crossing into death, right? Remember, you have to start somewhere. He had to start with death. His crossover into death teaches us many things, right? One of the things that I love from this lesson, first and foremost, right, is that we all going to die. That's the first thing. If God the Father can send his son who's attached to him and he can die, right, there's a realization that we are also all going to die. We're all going to come to the place where life ends, where our journey on earth comes to a stop. And in the midst of Jesus' death, Right before we get a glimpse, we get a chance to look at Jesus as he is looking and, and dealing with pain, suffering, and getting ready for the end. Let's take a look real quick at Matthew 27, verse 46. It says, about three o'clock, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lemai sabachthani. This means, my God, my God, why have you deserted me? Two things stood out for me, and I really struggled with this, and I want you to walk with this from this one event. Jesus, who knew what his time was going to be like, suffered. And even though he knew what was coming, he still felt alone, abandoned, forgotten, 
and even forsaken. Jesus had to deal with the sense of, God, you've forgotten about me. Where are you? How could you let this happen? Why have you left me? The king who was crucified, who was crowned king by the people five days earlier, was now crying out to his heavenly father, wondering where he was in the midst of his most challenging, painful, and hurtful moment. And it's no season, y'all, as we navigate through a time marred with death and calamity, a time where the news seems to, seems to only talk about the really bad things and people becoming sick and new variants and worried about loved ones and, and friends and fear about losing our jobs and not being able to pay bills. We're wondering, God, where are you? Where are you in the midst of this? Why have you forsaken me? Why have you left us? Why are you not here? Jesus felt that. And if you feel it, I want to normalize that. If our king can feel that in the moment of his pain, his, alone, his loneliness, his suffering, you can also feel it too. It's normal for you to go through that when things aren't working out well. But a second thing that stood out to me was that there were those who were watching and waiting, mocking Jesus in the midst of his, his incredible pain. Look one more time at Matthew 27, verse 47 to 49. Look at this. L listen, listen, y'all, listen. Some of those standing there heard Jesus cry out, and they said, he's calling for Elijah. Right away, one of them ran and got a sponge. He filled it with wine vinegar and put it on a stick. He offered it to Jesus to drink. The rest of them said, leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to save him. You see, there were people that were sitting and watching in the midst of Jesus' suffering, waiting to see if he would come out of whatever he was going through. Some people, for us, may fail to understand the depths of your feelings and pain in the midst of this season, in the midst of this pandemic. We all know that person that doesn't take us seriously in the midst of what we're going through, that person that mocks mocks the, uh, the masks or mocks the coronavirus, this, this, that, and the third. Why are they doing this? Why are you doing that? You're being controlled. And we know what I know personally. My family has experienced it. I've seen the sickness and the disease and the death that this virus has caused. And yet, for people to be mocking, for people to have their own opinions, for people to not be taking your, your fear seriously, your anxiety seriously, your depression seriously. Let's move away from the coronavirus. There may be other things going on in your life where you are silently suffering or only a few people know. And they're trying to dismiss you like, this ain't no big, alright, whatever. Like, let's see what happens. Let's see what happens. And they mock you in the midst of your pain. And then Jesus dies. And this is important to remember. 
Because that splendor, that king that we talked about last week is now lifeless in a tomb. And it seems like everything is lost. Take a minute. Have you felt like everything has been lost over this last year? Have there been moments where you felt as if this was some quicksand that you were not going to get out of? The story of Jesus ended in the worst possible way. I heard some stories this week of people that are really going through it. And they are in pain and anguish. And it feels like there's no way out. But Jesus' death was not defeat. It was victory deferred. Hold on, let me, let me make you understand this. You see, there were three days in between when Jesus died and when he rose again. There was a period of waiting in between there. And the waiting was a victory that would come later on. You see, the waiting was necessary because in the waiting, God was working. Let me say that to you one more time. In the midst of, of, of a period where it felt like you were at a standstill, where humanity was at a standstill, where things felt lost, God was still working. And if we read from verse 51 through 53, we, we see what had happened. There was a period where they're trying to figure out, like, hold on, y'all, hold on. Jesus is gone. That's it. And, 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 and even the soldiers later on are saying, we got to make sure that he stays gone. We got to make sure that this waiting period, that nobody comes to get Jesus' body who's still dead, and then they say that he actually rose and caused more confusion. There's this waiting period that people are going through that God allowed. Let me say that one more time. God allowed for the waiting to occur. You see, because if God resurrected Jesus right from the dead, you would have had that hater that said, oh, he wasn't really dead in the first place, right? He was, he was still alive. Or, or, or maybe they might have been able to intervene and try to create more, more nonsense, more, more chaos. But by God giving space for the waiting to occur, right, it removes any other variable Anything else that can get in the way that can bring the supremacy and the splendor and the majesty of who Jesus was into, uh, to, to, for it to not be questioned when he rose again on that third day. You ever, if you've ever gotten a degree, right, you know that the waiting is important. Those sleepless nights, that hard work, that, 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 the, the, the time and the effort that you got to put into it where it feels like your job, if you're working a job, is against you. Your relationships are against you. And people don't understand. People are questioning what's going on. And you're in this period of, I just got to keep, I got I to gotta push through. And, 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 and you need to make sure that you work as hard as you can. Because if there are people that are going to hate on you, you have to remove every evidence of doubt and say, nah, I did this. This was me. I didn't get no help. I didn't get no support. I did this on my own. I was reminded of what it is when you cook rice, how important the waiting is when you cook. You ever rushed rice when you cook it? You ever rushed the rice? There's Haitians in here that, no, 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 no. We don't rush rice, right? 
If you don't go through the process, my mom yelled at me when I first started cooking rice. I remember this. Because I had that tendency to go in and while the rice is cooking, what are you not supposed to do? You're not supposed to, you're not supposed to stir it. You're supposed to let it cook. You're supposed to wait there and let it cook. Because if you touch it too early, you mess it up. But when you cook that rice and you give it that weight and you give it that time and you open it up at the right time and you pick up those rice grains and you find that they are cooked to perfection, it wasn't because of anything that you did. It was because the time that was put in, the waiting that occurred. And what happens after we wait is we see that Jesus arises in victory. And this is the ultimate sign that after this long period of suffering, after this long period of waiting, comes this moment of victory where we can stand and say that nothing could go against him. In, in, in Matthew chapter 28, it says, be afraid, don't be afraid. I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He is risen just as he said he was going to do it. You see, Jesus was victorious against everything that anybody else had said, against any doubt that people had, against the opposition of those high leaders that wanted to see him in that grave, against the fear of his followers that thought was all his loss. Jesus did exactly what he said he was going to do. Against those who plotted against him, against the pain of his flesh, nothing could get in the way of Jesus' victory. Let me tell you something right now. In your season of waiting, there is no situation marred by mistakes that Jesus can't fix. There is no situation marred by pain that Jesus can't heal. There is no situation where the sickness is so great that Jesus can't heal. There is no void wide enough that Jesus can't fill. There is no death so permanent that Jesus can't overcome. Jesus' crossover into, into the land of victory over sin and over death was a sign for us that we too can cross the threshold from death to life. I don't know where this last year has brought you. I don't know what you are experiencing. I don't know the trials that you faced over these last 13 months in your mind, your body, your heart, your relationships, your family, your social circles, your spirit. But I want to say to you, because he rose, you also have victory. There may be a period of waiting. There may be a period where things are hard to deal with. And we talked about this a couple of weeks before. Weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the... And because he lives, I can face tomorrow. And tomorrow means that we have to wait till the next day. But your victory is coming. Your victory, it may not be right now, but just like Jesus... Your victory is on its way. As we close, there's one more threshold. We crossed, Jesus helps us cross over the threshold of condemnation into freedom. One of darkness into one of light. 
one void of love to one of unconditional love. You see, because Jesus died and rose again, we can have life if we believe in him. There is nothing that you've done that Jesus can't forgive. There is nothing that you've thought. There's nothing that you've believed. There's nothing, no way that you've acted. There's no sin too great that Jesus' blood can't wash away. And if you're in a place this morning where you're like, I need to step into this victory, the first way that you step into that victory is in a relationship with the resurrected king. You see, the Bible says that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever should believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. That victory, that everlasting life is what we attain through Jesus. And if you want to walk in that relationship with him this morning, we're going to pray a special prayer. If you're on Facebook, YouTube, if you're in the building, pray with me. Father, we thank you for the sacrifice and resurrection of your son. We thank you for sending Jesus. Jesus who came, who lived, who died, and who rose again just for us, just for me. Lord, we admit on this Easter Sunday that we are sinners, that we've made mistakes, and that we can't please you on our own, that without your Son, we are in darkness. But Father, today, we believe in the power of your resurrected Son, Jesus. We believe in his blood. Father, we believe that Jesus came and died for us. Lord, we accept him into our hearts and into our lives, and we make him the resurrected king. Lord, we commit our lives to him that we can walk in relationship with him today, tomorrow, and forever. We honor you, and we thank you for this new life that we have through your son, Jesus. In your name we pray, amen.